Our last episode featured Dr. Jessica Kissinger, where we discussed both her research and her work on the eukaryote pathogen, vector, and host informatics database. At the end of our conversation, we asked about the experiences and challenges that shape her journey to being a distinguished researcher and a role model for women in the sciences. We felt that her inspirational answer really deserved a short episode of its own. We hope that you will enjoy. And Jesse, you, you have been one of the pioneers in bioinformatics research that has been wonderful at many levels, but also that you have faced many challenges, not only because you have been at the new front of a developing field, but also because of its interdisciplinary nature. Could you share with us some of your experiences, uh, good and not so good? <laughs> well, sure. I think probably the best experience is sharing skills with other people, right? There's nothing like facilitating someone's research or their work or their studies. I love working with a student, you know, and you see, and they've, they've spent all night cutting and pasting something back and, forth, back and forth. And then you're just like, let me show you something, you know, and, and, and a little bit of code. And you're like, wow, you know, and I think that, I think we're seeing this. We, we, we see it at the University of Georgia and elsewhere. I mean, Data science increasing not only as a manage as a I mean as a major, but data literacy, regardless of your field, in terms of being able to handle things. So that part's been really fun. I do think aspects that were were fun. I've had the opportunities to conduct you know like really in depth training, you know, multi week or month long, really intense workshops for researchers all over the world on bioinformatics in general, not necessarily just the resources that we work on. And it's been a wonderful, eye-opening, amazing experience to, to have that opportunity. But at the same time, it also highlights to one, the disparities, what taking for granted, having electricity, having a good internet connection, and how hard it is to still to conduct research in some areas, but also the incredible promise that it holds because while still difficult to necessarily have a good stable electrical or internet connection, it is much easier than still trying to maintain a full-fledged molecular lab that requires freezers and reagents that have to be frozen. Things that are very temperature or time sensitive can be very challenging in, in some field environments that that you can actually begin to tackle computationally. And so I'm kind of excited to see what I perceive is a leveling of the research field in the area of data science uh, globally. And I think that's really exciting. And I think it breaks down a lot of barriers and allows many, many more researchers from endemic countries who are affected by a number of these pathogens to be able to have access and hold stake in, in, in the cure. And so that part's really cool. I think there was a second part to your question. I focused on the training part and then um, I forgot. The the good things and the bad things, the less good things. Well, I think uh, the bad thing, and, and, and there's not a bioinformaticist alive who I think would disagree with this, is that, uh, well, it's good that the field changes so fast and at the same time it's bad and it's terrifying how fast it changes. There's so many tools. There's a new tool probably every week and there's, new insights and there's competing languages and there are competing tools and un, un, not unlike every other area, but it moves so fast that you I mean, you can't even have a textbook. It's pointless. And so, you know, as a trainer, I'm continually revising the materials that that part's painful. I think any bioinformaticist will tell you, 
I talked earlier about the importance of cleaning the data. I think we'll tell you, you spend 90% of the time acquiring the data, cleaning the data, and then transforming the data because for some reason, every program requires the data to be input in its own unique format. And so you are constantly transforming the data from one format to another format so that you can use it with this tool and then take it and put it in another tool. And I'm hoping that as a field, we begin to standardize some things and are able to, to, to make the process a lot easier. And it actually, it really is getting easier, but, but it's been painful. The, the speed with which things change, is, it, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's wonderful to have all those new resources and those new tools, but keeping up with it's really difficult. And then all the time spent transforming and cleaning your data. It's a little bit painful, but it's, it's, it's a necessary a necessary component. Jesse, you are a role model for women in STEM. You are a distinguished research professor of genetics. You have been the director of the Bioinformatics Institute, just to name a few of your huge accomplishments. Do you have any advice for young researchers and especially for underrepresented groups that wish to pursue a career in STEM? Yeah, follow your heart and do it. I'm, I'm going to add a little uh, disclosure here. I didn't follow a traditional path. I think that so many people become discouraged because they think you didn't do it the right way or a certain way. And that now that door is closed to you. And I just want anybody who happens to be listening to say that that is absolutely not the case. So I'm going to go on the record for the first time in a recording, at least. I am a two-time high school dropout. I have a GED equivalency for my high school education. I worked for five years at various and sundry odd jobs, many of which involved entering uh, patient data <laughs> into computers for insurance billing, um, uh, as, as well as just selling cigarettes and candy and flipping hamburgers and all of the various things that uh, a young person might do for their education. And when you catch that bug, when you catch that spark of that thing that you find so interesting, so this is all happening and I'm very much dating myself, but at a time when there were many sort of new infectious diseases. There was Legionnaires, there was AIDS, and there was an Ebola outbreak. And it was very interesting to be surrounded in a medical community at the time. And everyone, I mean, kind of rightly so, was like, oh, first of all, kind of surprised that there were new pathogens that came out that we didn't have a drug to treat, um, number one, because we had gone through what we call what were the first and second generation antibiotics, and they'd just been so wonderful that infectious diseases were viewed as less threatening. And, um, and then I, I was just sitting there thinking like, but yes, it's good to kill the bug, but this is so cool. Like, I want to understand the bug. And, and I used to actually get the mail and the CDC puts out a, a morbidity and mortality report. And, and, and this just became my, my reading. I mean, I was so curious to see what people were, were dying of or, or getting sick with around, around the world and, or in their own countries, mostly. And, um, and I'll remember one day it, I was reading this article and it was all these construction workers that got sick and I can't remember where it was in the, the investigation had gone in and it turned out that there used to be uh, chicken coops at this construction site and that the construction workers had dug down through some level and that they all got histoplasmosis. And um, I was just like, oh, that's too cool. 
And at, at that minute, I mean, I can just remember it like a light bulb. I'm like, I have to study pathogens. And I want to understand how a pathogen pathogen navigates this world. I wanted to understand the pathogen from the pathogen's perspective. And that was, that's how I say it today. And that's how I said it back then. So I decided to go back to school. Um, I, I just took a class and registered for college class to prove I could do it. I applied to a couple of places Two didn't let me in. One wouldn't even process my application because I didn't have letters from high school counselors and all of that kind of stuff. They even sent my check back. It was amazing. Um, and, 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 and one place invited me for an interview and they took a risk on me and, and I got in and, oh, it was hard. I had to take calculus and I'd never had trigonometry. And I, I you know, I, I literally threw up. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know the feeling I, I know to be so scared and, you know, my first year didn't go quite so well, but I, I kept driving my professors crazy. I said, how do you study the evolution of disease? I want to study the evolution of disease. And many of them told me that you should be a, an epidemiologist. So I had to go look that word up. And, and then I, I was like, well, that's close, but not quite. And then in my third year biochemistry class, Professor Herbert Friedman, a German biochemist, handed me a manila file folder and he had Xeroxed a paper and he punched holes in it and tied a string through it. And he wrote on the cover, you know, Jessica for your evolution. And I opened it up and it was the first molecular phylogeny from Carl Wose's group that had discovered the new kingdom of the archaea. And I was gone hook, line and sinker. I mean, I just, I only applied to go to graduate school with the authors on that paper, you know, and, and I, I just said, you know, oh no, this is what I have to do. And then a second life lesson, you know, I, I ended up not working in the lab of one of those people. I, I, I ended up studying sea urchins. And, and that was fine because I wanted to learn evolutionary biology. I wanted to be an evolutionary biologist and not biased by a desire to kill the pathogen. I wanted to understand the processes. And, you know, but I went straight from there to, to the NIH in a very untraditional way. Again, for those of you who've grown up with the internet, I, I apologize, this will sound really archaic, but I had to go to the library and I got an NIH phone book and I just started calling people at the NIH in, in uh, the, the Division of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And I said, hey, I've just graduated with my degree in, you know, in evolution and uh, I want to come and study the evolution of pathogens. Who's doing that? And they all, they all gave me one name, Tom McCutcheon. And, and they said, talk to him. And I called him up and he was looking at the evolution of, of the parasite that causes malaria, one of the deadliest diseases that we fight on this planet. I would, I would tell people it became my interest plus a whole lot of luck, a professor giving me a paper, a school taking a chance. You know, uh, I, I ended up working on parasites because that's what somebody at NIH was working on taking these opportunities and, and having a chance to run with them, they're life altering. And I trust my gut. I listen to my stomach and, and you know, when you're happy and you know, when you're not and put yourself in places that make you happy and that, that support you and, and go for it, you know, just, oh, this just sounds like one of those, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a little too sappy at this point, but I just, you know, there is a real world out there and there are real doors and there are real hurdles that you're going to have to jump through. And they're a lot easier when you surround yourself with people that believe in you and when you believe in yourself and you, you, you trust your instincts. 
about what is right. And I think that that's really, really important. I think it's too easy, especially in the academic environment, which can be very, very judgmental to you, you do have to listen to criticism that people give you. We are not perfect. I have made my share of mistakes, but don't, don't let it close doors for you. You know, believe in yourself. So Jesse, that was some, uh, some great advice and full disclosure. You weren't the only one who struggled in, in calculus in college. So <laughs> I wish I would have taken physics at the same time. So I can edit that out. Thank you for tuning in today. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, reach out to us via email at ppp at uga.edu. This podcast is brought to you by the Faculty of Infectious Diseases and the Grady College of Journalism at the University of Georgia. It is supported by the University of Georgia through the Office of the Vice President for Research. <laughs>